Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So one of our favorite movies in the Newton household is Aladdin, both the 1992 animated version as well as the 2019 musical fantasy produced by Walt Disney Pictures. For those in need of a refresher, it is about Aladdin, a street urchin who falls in love with Princess Jasmine befriends a wish-granting genie, and then battles the wicked Jafar. But the plot thickens when Jafar gets a hold of the magical lamp and becomes the genie's new master. And because Jafar is greedy for power, he uses his first wish to become the sultan. But this fails to fully satisfy his hunger for power. And so Jafar then wishes to become the world's most powerful sorcerer. And that's working well for a bit until Aladdin taunts Jafar with an observation, which is that he is in fact not the most powerful being on earth. After all, it was the genie who gave him power, and the genie could take it all away. Well, Jafar takes the bait, using his very last wish to become an all-powerful genie, only to discover far too late that genies are not free beings, and that he would live out his days trapped in a magical lamp of his own. And thus, in his greed for more and more and more, Jafar imprisons himself in a very small space. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus tells a story about Lazarus and a rich man to a group of people imprisoned in a small spiritual space. Luke tells us that the Pharisees are lovers of money, and Jesus has warned them that they cannot serve both God and money at the same time. But in return, they ridicule Jesus, and they even mock his teaching. You see, in Jesus' day, money was viewed as a sign of God's favor. People got rich when God was pleased with them, and poverty was viewed as punishment. And so whenever the Pharisees encountered someone like Lazarus, starving for food, covered in sores, freezing and alone, they assumed that God's justice was working itself out. And Jesus' intent in telling this story is to wake the Pharisees up as if to say, this worldview 
you hold has confined you to a very small spiritual space, a space where you no longer see what God sees and feel what God feels and love what God loves. And because Jesus's criticism of the Pharisees can feel so harsh, it does behoove us to ask, what went wrong? I mean, right? How is it that the Pharisees came to love money more than God? Or for that matter, how does anyone come to love money more than God? And I think the answer is simple. The Pharisees forgot their story. Because remember, God chose Israel because they were the smallest, the poorest, and the weakest of all the people. God chose Israel because they were slaves. God chose Israel because they longed to satisfy their hunger with the food that fell from Pharaoh's table who feasted sumptuously every day while they starved to death. And whenever they arrived in the land of Canaan, God's instructions were clear. I chose you because you were poor, and so you must love the poor. I chose you because you were needy, so you must love the needy. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted, but open your hand you are the beneficiary of my generosity, and thus your privilege as my people is to extend that generosity to the ends of the earth. Friends, that is the story behind Israel's call, but the Pharisees in today's gospel are not in touch with that story. Now, please understand, my intent is not to pick on the Pharisees, and my intent is certainly not to pick on us. No, my intent is only to name the dynamics that are at play in every human heart. Because the Pharisees are not alone in being lovers of money. In fact, I know I've said this before, but whenever I was eight years old, I remember just how proud I was when I finally saved my first $100. And the first thing I purchased was a $30 safe to make sure no one could touch my $70 fortune. Friends, we live in a world that teaches us to place our ultimate trust and things with no power to save us. And to be very clear, I do not believe that money is bad. And to be honest, I don't even think that having money is a problem. In fact, C.S. Lewis once said that it is impossible to love any created thing too much. He said, you cannot love your job too much. You can't love your family too much. You can't even love your money too much. The problem only comes, he said, when we love these things too much in proportion to the love we have for God. 
In other words, our problem is never that we love money too much, but only that we love God too little. And so here is the creative tension I'm going to invite us to enter. Having money is not a problem. But to place our ultimate trust in that money most certainly is a problem. Because at the end of the day, to trust in money or any created thing as the ultimate source of our security is to trade in unreality. Because in reality, all that we are and all that we have, every cent, every relationship, every breath, is a gift from an extravagantly generous God, a God who emptied himself and took the form of a servant and died on a cross for the sins of the world. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, for you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. And friends, that is the story that we can't afford to lose touch with as together we take this journey to become a more extravagantly generous people. Because here's the deal. There is not one person here today in this church right now or watching who can identify with Lazarus. And I thank God for that. There are many Lazaruses in this world, and God cares deeply about every single one of them, but in truth, that is not us. But on the other hand, regardless of our net worth, we are also not the rich man. All of us stand in the place of the five brothers, in that, each one of us will write our own ending to this parable in and through how we live our life and how we steward the gifts that God has given us. And doing that with faith and excitement and love is what this journey to generosity is about. It's about picking up the pen and through the power of the Holy Spirit, narrating the story of our faith with intentionality and courage and with clarity of values so that regardless of what we have, we're very clear on the master we serve and don't confine ourselves to a very small spiritual space. I heard a story recently about a woman entering... Alcoholics Anonymous, and as you may know, one of the 12 steps in AA is to give our life over to a power greater than ourselves that we believe can restore us to sanity. Well, this particular woman wasn't very religious, and she had a very hard time with the whole idea of turning her life over to a God that she did not believe in. And so to help her with this step, her sponsor gave her a sheet of paper and a few colored pencils and said, all right, 
Whenever you think of the phrase higher power, I want you to be spontaneous and draw whatever comes to mind. And so this woman did, and she soon found that her hands instinctively drew a bottle. It then hit this woman like a brick. Alcohol was her higher power. And in that moment, she broke down and she wept. And as she sobbed, she said, I now realize that I've given my life to something too small. And so in closing, here's what I'd like to say. Money is wonderful. So is comfort. And so is success. And so is a good reputation, and so is security, and so is power, and so are all the other things that God has given us to steward and that we as human beings tend to prize. But to give the fullness of our heart to any created thing as our ultimate priority is to give our life to something too small. And when that happens, 100% of the time, we have forgotten our story, which is that we worship a Lord who voluntarily gave these things up and laid down his life so that we might all live eternally with God. And friends, this simply is the Lord's generosity. And so as you think about the financial commitment you'll make to St. Michael's in the coming year, don't ask the question, is the gift that I make large or small? I'm not sure that's a question to ask, but instead, approaching this as a spiritual exercise, ask the question, does my pledge to this church make me larger or does it make me smaller? Does it confine me to a small spiritual space or does it stretch me and compel me to go out on faith and to experience our belief that freedom is found in serving the living God. There is a great line in Aladdin when the genie says, to be free, such a thing would be greater than all the magic and all the treasures in this world. And so today, I'll just leave us with the genie's words. Freedom is in fact greater than all the treasure and all the magic and all the power in the whole world. And the only thing I'll add is that for the Christian, freedom is always the byproduct of giving our full heart to something large. Amen.